Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Woody, or should I say Tom Hanks, discusses Toy Story 4. Noel Gallagher discusses everything. Host of The Late Late Show, James Corden, is back in the UK and Danny Boyle speaks about working with Ed Sheeran on his brand new film, Yesterday. Plus loads more great guests. Enjoy, my friends, enjoy. Dapper Dave, who are we talking to next? He's played more iconic roles than you've had hot dinners. He rarely puts a foot wrong in the unforgiving world of Hollywood and nothing proves that more than the eagerly awaited Toy Story 4. So sit back, relax and enjoy when Mr Evans met Mr Hanks. Yeah, with the help of Mr Danny Boyle. OK, so I began with, Tom, it's the beginning of the end. And let's go back to the start of the beginning. When did you first hear the words Toy Story and Woody? It was 1991, actually. That's how long ago it was. Um, the, old, the old regime at the, at the Disney um, Corporation said, we want, we want to show you this thing. We want to show you this. We can't really explain it. We want to show it to you. So I went over to this warehouse in Glendale, California, and um, uh, there, was, there were a bunch of partitions. There were a bunch of drawings all over this partition. Before we walk you through what we want to show you, we want to show you this other thing. And it was a video monitor, and it was just a blue background, but they had the character of Woody, as we know Woody now, and they took this line of dialogue from the hit motion picture, Turner and Hooch. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, please, please. <laughs> thank you. Um, and it was a line where my voice was screaming, what are you doing? Don't eat the car. Don't eat the car. You're eating the car. Stop eating the car. But they gave it to Woody. And his arms were flailing around. And, uh, and it wasn't much longer than that. They, it was on a loop. So you saw it again and again. And so they said, so you see, what we're trying to do is, is this brand new uh, animation process. And um, we're going to now t- show you the story of what Toy Story And then we walked through all these drawings, animatics, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, uh, storyboards. And about, about, about on, the th- on the fourth or fifth panel, and there were probably 48 panels, I said, great, let's do it. Uh, I'm in. And they kept then saying, well, here's what happens next. And every time they showed me some other sequence, I said, that's great. When do we – well, let me show you. I kept saying, guys, I'm, you got me. I'm ready to go. I'll do what you want. But they had to tell me the whole damn story. Um, and sometime not long after that, we walked into a uh, recording studio, Studio B on the Disney lot uh, with uh, Doc the Mixer, legendary sound mixer, and we began the process there. Now, the trick was, the odd thing was, is we recorded almost an entire movie that they then animated, animaticed uh, in a way, and then threw the entire movie out and said, that didn't quite work the way we wanted it to do. So we're going to 
ask you to come in and record a whole other movie, which we did. We all did. And that turned out to be the first Toy Story. That turned out to be – and that came out – when did it come out? 95. 95? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's a, that was a four-year process of touring, doing the first one, and every one of the movies has been about a four-year process. So did you ever meet Luna Larry then? Who's Luna Larry? Buzz's original name. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Jeez. So, but Buzz, Buzz was going to be six inches, and he was going to be red, and he was going to be called Luna Larry. How come you know all this stuff? Because and... it was in the paper this morning. Yeah, Lord, I'm, <laughs> I'm Woody the Sheriff, and I don't know this stuff. Yes. I'm, behind the, I'm behind the curve so on this. Didn't... So no, the, the... I will tell you this. I will tell you this. that they had, in, the, in the very first one, they had, an, they had a soldier figure that they said, it's kind of like G.I. Joe. But we can't use G.I. Joe because we can't get the rights to it. And I said, well, why don't you call him Combat Carl? And from that was born Combat Carl. So I guess even the names are in play for an awful long time. Lunar Larry? Lunar Larry. Well, that's just a horrible name, isn't it? And Chevy, apparently, Tom, apparently, I don't know, but you maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. Apparently, Chevy Chase turned him down and Billy Crystal turned him down. And somehow they got to Tim Allen. Were there any Woodies before Hanks, Tom? I no, I think that I you doubt that, it. that that one clip from Turner and Hooch. Thank you, thank you. Oh no, sit down, please. Thank you. I think that turned the trick. So I, I might have been the I might have been the first and only casting. Last week I went to watch Toy Story four, and I had to get myself ready for it. You God. had to buck up. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Honestly, I was thinking in two hours it'll be over. It'd just be, I just want it to be over. And so I sort of prepared myself for the last. I thought the last ten or twenty minutes are going to crush me. They're going to kill me. Little did I realize they were going to pretty much beat me up around the head and throw me out the door in the first 10 minutes as well. Hey, stop dangling such an attractive carrot to the audience. No, but you know but you know what I'm saying, don't you? It's like Well, it's it's an emotional ride that one goes on. But it's straight away from the first frame. Well, I will tell you that the the imagination geniuses at, at Pixar, they have a look of stark terror on their face every moment that you're working on the thing because they know that if they do not turn in some sort of lollapalooza of emotion in a Toy Story movie, they're, they're going to be viewed as failures. So they, are, they were incredibly nervous every, every step of this. But at the same time, it's the thing that sort of has to happen. Because if it doesn't, well, then it's just kind of like a sequel that you kind of like bang out there. And none of these movies I don't think have ever been just like slap together sequels within a within you know otherwise we would have banged we would have been on our 14th toy story movie as opposed to the fourth all right so uh, toy story 3 came and went um nine years ago um, was it nine years ago yeah well we didn't know there'd be a toy story 4 it's gonna be a toy story 5 this is a very good question we i have a i have a, a packet of top secret instructions from the studio that say we're not supposed to say anything remotely about anything as a matter of fact when um, I was, I was, uh, I made this movie called Larry Crown, and 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 one of the questions I got when, at that was, is there going to be a Toy Story three? We hadn't done a Toy Story three yet, and I said sure, and I got a I got a letter and a phone call from t- the Disney corporate legal um, division saying you are not allowed to say that because we can be accused of manipulating our stock based on uh, our our pipeline up. And I said, I'm barely an employee for you guys. Forgive me for being so stupid. Um, this is this is what I've said. And evidently the, the crack team at, uh, uh, at Pixar say, oh, you can say that, is that I don't think for a while anybody will be even able to imagine there being a fifth one. But some 
employee of Pixar is going to wake up one day, maybe 18 months from now, and just say, oh, I've got I've it. I've got it. In which case, some, <laughs> some process might begin once again. Well, I enjoyed to talk to you. Thank you, Tom. My pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Our next guest has only sold 75 million records, so hopefully his latest release, the Black Star Dancing EP, will see him get the break he really deserves, whether in a band or on his own. If he's involved, you know it's going to be good. Please welcome one of the greatest songwriters ever to walk the earth, the one, the only, Noel Gallagher. Good morning, Noel Gallagher. Thank you very much. How was the traffic for you this morning? On the it was all right. It just clears for me. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had two police outriders with wings, so I was all right. Okay, now, yeah. no, you famously or infamously don't drive. I've never had a driving license. Have yeah. you ever had a go just for a laugh? I've had a go, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Yeah, that. it's just, I'm not, I'm just not cut out for it. I was cut out to be chauffeured. That was my thing. <laughs> Is that why you had to become a rock star? Well, no, I'm, I'm not from a family of great drivers. My dad was a driver and he was he might have invented road rage and I remember sitting in the back of cars thinking this doesn't seem like it's a lot of fun do you know what I mean but I, I've kind of I, even when I'm in a taxi and I'm driving around London I feel like getting out sometimes and cracking people on the head it's, there's, there's a lot I, 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 I haven't got the patience to drive okay. but my wife does all the driving taxi oh I see alright so but you, did your wife drive you in today no, 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 no. Okay. My, 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 my driver, Alan. So do you have a regime Morning, in the back of the car? Do you, do you have like a world? Do you have a, an in-car world? Nope. No? No, I sit and stare out the window. Do you, honestly? Yeah, I've just... Yeah, well, it's... You know, if I'm if I'm driving, if I've got like a 40-minute a drive somewhere, it's only peace and quiet you get for the day. Sit, put the radio on, stare out the window. That's it. Right. Uh, when was the last time you played the guitar? <laughs> last night. Okay. What did you play and where and why? I was, I'm in the studio at the minute putting the finishing touches to this next EP that's coming out and one of the extra tracks I was making up in the studio the other day and I was listening back to it last night thinking actually it needs a bit more guitar so I was what we call in the game noodling <laughs> while, watching, while watching the telly right. while Sarah was sat on the couch kind of going <laughs> really? And I'm like, just give us 10 minutes. It's like, really? Spend all day in the studio and then come home and spend all night playing the guitar. So that's when... So I, you're bringing your work home. Is the uh, studio I, in your house? No, no, no. I'm just building a studio now in King's Cross. No, I, I wouldn't have... A, uh, well, I wouldn't be allowed one in the house. Right, that's interesting. Okay, building a studio in King's Cross. I had, I had, I had a studio in the house in the 90s and I never did anything. Right. Because there was always an excuse not to go there. Whereas I think if you have to get on the tube and go to a studio, you're more liable to kind of... It's like going to the gym. Once you've got the gear on, you might as well go, right? Mm. If you're not, to me, the gym is not a struggle. <laughs> it's putting the shorts on. That's the struggle. But also, don't you think there's a different, there's a different air, there's a different sort of, again, at this thing on Wednesday, we, it was a creative festival. There were hundreds of thousands of people. There were 600 speakers over four days. Wow. Amazing speakers, like the head of Amazon and all this kind of stuff. And then they say these, these kids startups with all, they, they have the juice that all the big the corporates, juice. they have the juice that all the big corporates want. And you could feel ideas in the air. And I think when you go into your studio or a studio away from home, it, you, your, bre- your, your, your music brain is there. It's mm. waiting for you there, and it's not at home. Mm. Do, you, do you get that yeah, vibe totally. or not? So, well, I, I used to, it's, you know, it used to be in the in the in the in the where the loft converted into a studio. Just couldn't be bothered going because it was too near. The yeah. phone was always ringing, or there was always an excuse, yeah. you know. And, that, and it was the nineties, and it was. It's it was like never going to St Paul's because you live in London, but you go to New York for the weekend. and You're going to see everything that's to be seen. Uh, no EPs. Tell us about EPs. Why EPs? Why not? Of course, but why? Uh, because 
I had the material. Uh, it wasn't the right time to make an album. I've only had an album out last year. I'm on the road all this year. Nice to freshen up the set list. Just seemed like the right thing to do. Because back in, back in, you know, the the thing that amazes me about the Beatles, you know, and the Beatles particularly, um, well, everything for a mm. start, but after everything, <laughs> um, everything in brackets, everything, what the heck are you uh-huh. talking about? There's nothing else, just everything. Is, is how many songs they wrote. It was two albums a year. It was singles that weren't on albums. It was EPs, EPs in between the both mm. of those. It was song after song yeah. after song. Do you think that made it easier for them? The fact they just I, kept... I, well, I mean, I, I, I've been in, I've been in that. Well, they had three great songwriters in that band, two of the best songwriters of all time, and then they were collaborating uh, in, in, in between the two of them as well. So I would have thought, if I understand it, which I do a little bit, once you're in the zone and you're obsessed with it, and you know that what you're doing is good, you can't wait to get to the next one, the next one, the next one. And it's a, it's a, there, there are moments. In, in a songwriter's life, they come and go. Like at the moment, I feel like I'm in a real purple patch of being creative. And but there'll be months where you go by where it's just it's just not happening, and you're kind of forcing it and struggling. And at those points, it's best just to down tools and go on holiday. <laughs> okay. And not chase it. And is there a, is there a plan for you? Is there is there a five or a ten year thing, or are you just? Uh, I don't like you... to. I like to. I know when this tour finishes, I'm building a recording studio uh, at the minute, which I've got a meeting there this afternoon to see how it's coming on. So next year, I'll be in the studio. I won't tour for maybe a year or two. So um, there's not a five-year plan. There'll be a two-year plan. So I'll make, I will we'll make an album. The next thing I do after this year of EPs will be a, an album, and it'll be in my new studio. And then inevitably, you'll go back out on tour. You know? Okay, now uh, we had your brother in mm. a week and a bit ago. I won't ask you about him, but I will ask you a question that I meant to ask him and I forgot to ask him. Go on. And I was going over and thinking, I wish I'd have asked him that question. And it was about your mum, right? Oh, yeah. So this ongoing thing, whatever it is and whatever, right? What does your mum think about all that? Well, as I said to her recently, we're not 19 anymore. So we're kind of, I'm in my 50s. (laughs) He's nearly 50. So why don't you just go make a cup of tea but just, does, does just she thinking. have a word though does she have a word no, but, you know what Irish mums are like they'll kind of furiously not take sides and if they can pretend it's not happening right you know so we don't talk about it I don't talk about my mum when I go see my mum I'm always like I can't but you know you're always kind of but what do you mean you, what, you don't think, what do you mean you fell over what are you talking about you know <laughs> and um, just trying to, I don't see her that often you know what I mean when I'm up in Manchester you just catch up not really can't be bringing it down talking about the other fella. That's no, like, no, 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 no. I didn't no, want to no. talk about him. I just wanted to talk right. about your mum. Oh, yeah. Well, and my her, her situation is. My mum mo- will take off her glasses and put them down and go, How are you, Noreen? <laughs> How are you? And I'm like, I'm good, mum. How are you? Oh, it's lovely to see you. Well, I know. We don't talk about it. Good. All right. No, joy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, very welcome. Thank very Thanks much. for being here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. From treading the boards in the history boys to making waves across the pond in the legendary world of late night TV, our next guest has been there and done it. He's popped home for a bit, and tonight at 10 p.m. on Sky One, the Late Late Show live in London kicks off. Here to tell us more about it, it's the one and only Mr. James Corden. Morning, James. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very, very well. This view you have <laughs> is so. <laughs> what an incredible place to come to work it's every day. Because I've heard you talk about it when I listen to the show on the app. 
which I think I've contacted you about before, but I've never quite... And you've talked about this view, and I've always wondered, oh, is he lying? Is he making it up just for the wireless? But look at this. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It gets, We're on it? the top of London. When you hear that intro that Dapper Dave just read out there, can you believe that's about you? I'm so... I can, but I'm so pleased for you. It's so... You know, the, the mad world of late, late night television, I and can, he's here I, to do his London specials, and he lives in Los Angeles. Can I you... Don't, it's all too... It's still, all too much for my... Um, good. Sort of, you know, it's too much for my body to... to if I think about it too much, if I think about all of it, then I get... I, I just sort of can't... So I don't... I try not to, really, because I think nobody wants someone who just sits around going... What is going on? I do. I, I, want that. I want you. I want you like that in my life. Well, then you've got it right you're, now. Your yeah. superstardom is stratospheric. It's, James, I'm so. I'm always pleased for you. Every sort of seven minutes of every day, I'm just pleased. Uh, Tasha says, "Are oh, you being pleased for James again?" Aren't you? I said, <laughs> yes, oh, and that's it. That's my look. Oh, it's, me, it's me being pleased for. Pleased that is for James the loveliest again. thing you could ever say. It so, really is. And the fact that you, you're over in the UK doing the UK week of your massive US TV show that just sounds brilliant. And it's so big, and people want to be in it so much. What the Americans scheduled to appear that week have to do is fly over to the UK to be on the show, like Tom Hanks, for example. Is he on tonight? Tom's on tonight. Uh, Tom Hanks is on tonight. Gillian Anderson's on tonight. Then we have a a big uh, a big taped piece that's on this evening where we played a, a game of dodgeball. You, the United Kingdom versus the United States, and I'm the captain of the UK team, and it's me, Harry Styles. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch versus uh, <laughs> Michelle Obama, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, Alison Janney, and many more. Because yes. you have that, you you've reached that tipping point where you have their trust. They know it's it's great coverage, and it's a win-win for everybody involved. And they just say yes, and you you've you've sort of reached that point, haven't you? Of no return, where everybody says, "Yeah, oh, James, oh, yeah, what is it?" Do you, Michelle, would you like to know what it is? No, if it's James, it'll be fine. We, oh, I we... wish, I I wish it with that straightforward I wish you with that straightforward well I mean that particular sketch was like an anomaly in that it kind of came from it came from the former first lady where she sort of got in touch we'd done a thing before we did a a carpool karaoke (laughs) she and I and she got in touch with the show and said I'm going to be in Los Angeles is there anything we can do should we do something fun and then we had this ridiculous idea of a game of dodgeball and and that's what we did. But that normally, it's, you know, very much the other way around. It's us asking guests to do Well, I suppose so. But I mean, you know, you get more yeses than no's nowadays and you deserve them. But but the perfect combination, isn't it? The perfect combination of the James Corden show and an idea from the former first lady. Anybody want to be involved? (laughs) Oh, yes, please. Well, that is true. That is true. It's very, it was, booking the other participants (laughs) was as straightforward as you like. It was kind of crazy. Right, now I'm presuming on a show day in the States, you don't do uh, breakfast shows in the morning for your mates. You don't guest on breakfast shows. Uh, n- not normally, but then, uh, you know, I, I, I would if, if any time you want me on. No, sure. but no, it's great. So, so how is your working day from here on in? Today? Um, today? Well, t- today show, we'll, we'll go day. from here to the studio and I can tell you, I'll, I'll have it here. Hang on. Come on. Let me find it. This will be, because me telling you would be, uh, would be futile. Hang on. Let me find it. This It might be boring, but I think it'll be so uh, so here now with you, and then creative, then mono, then um, a meeting with the lovely people at Sky, 
Then uh, 12.45 segment, 1 p.m. rehearsal, 1.45 rehearse something we're doing tonight. 2.30 hair and makeup, 3.15 do that, 4 till 5 show, 5.15 um, do a, a, a charity thing and then I'm done. Okay, now how does that feel? Because because you do it every day, that yeah. makes my blood run cold. That really? Be- yeah, honestly it does because I used to love doing TFI Friday but it was only ever relief when it was over because it was once a week and it was six days and 23 hours till the next one. I know, but see, I think there's more pressure doing a show once a week. I, I agree. Because you are putting everything into that one show whereas yeah. for us, like, there's another show tomorrow, yeah. you know? There's another one tomorrow. Like, we're on show 655, I Blimey, think, in, in four years, you know? Uh, so... There is, you You cannot, your body won't allow you to be precious about something in that manner. You you can't physically do it. You, you, you'd go insane. Yeah. So at some point you have to go, well, you just got, like the Let show go. doesn't, the show doesn't start because it's ready. The, the, the show starts because it's 5 p.m. and you're going <laughs> to film it now. Like, and at some point you've just got to go, well, if we don't win today, we'll try and win am, tomorrow, you I know? Am, that is it, you know? I so much admiration for you. You are a force for good, James oh, Corden. you're so kind. You are a force for good, and I know you've realised that. And uh, to, to be uh, aware, first of all, you have to be awake. Uh, to prepare, you must repair. Uh, to be present, uh, you, you must remember to be breathed and not breathe. Well done, my friend. Now, that was just the snippet from a runaway conversation we just happened to have with James Corden for a whole hour this week on The Breakfast Show. If you'd like to hear the full chat, you can find it in the very same place as you found this podcast. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. One member of Queer Eyes Fab Five, Tam Francis, joins us. Kirsty Walk talks her new book, The House by the Lock, and Simon Reeve finds his way into the studio to discuss his new talking tour. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? Hey Jude, let it be. All You Need Is Love would be great song titles. Someone should really write them. He's created an alternative Beatles-free universe for his new movie Yesterday, and here to tell us how he did it is the Oscar-winning superstar of the silver screen, the wonderful Danny Boyle. Good morning, Danny. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Okay, so we saw your film last week. It was a double bubble, uh, a lacrimose day for me because I saw your film. I was in floods, obviously. Then I went to see Toy Story 4 uh, straight afterwards, which equally failed me uh, from the first frame to the last. Uh, so let's talk about your film first. Um, I've sort of I've sort of pitched it myself. You've pitched it. You, you explain what you want to explain without giving too much away to what this... the thr- It's a what-if film, isn't it? It's a big what-if film. Yeah, because it's this it, like an unsuccessful singer-songwriter from Suffolk and there's another one appears later in the film actually or he's not so unsuccessful but he is from Suffolk but he is from Suffolk (laughs) but he starts and he's he's just playing pubs and not very successful and it's only his friends turning up really and then there's an accident he gets uh, knocked off his bike and when he wakes up in hospital he's alright but 
everybody seems to have forgotten the Beatles. Everybody. There's no nothing on Google, nothing, uh, no CDs, nothing on vinyl, nothing. Nobody knows who you're talking about. Nobody knows who Paul McCartney is. But he remembers all the songs and he starts to play them as his own. And of course, then people start to say, who wrote that? When did you write that? And he said, I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it, the Beatles. And they don't believe him, as you wouldn't. And he has to stop saying that because they'll think he's a nutter. And so he starts to take the glory of the songs and he begins to turn out these some of the greatest songs ever written. The problem is, can he remember them? Can he remember more than two lines of the lyrics? Which is, if you set yourself the task, it's tough. Very tough. It's all right if the song's playing in the background. Yeah. You can hum along and yeah. kind of make it up as you go along. But if there's no reference point, yeah. you can't. It's just him, his yeah. memory. So the second verse can become the first verse, the chorus can become all the verses. <laughs> and we've all done it, haven't we? We've absolutely all done all it. Our versions of songs, yeah. I know. I used to write down the, the lyrics of Led Zeppelin songs. And when I look back now at what the real lyrics are, mine were disgraceful, really. Yeah. You know. Singing along is one thing. Singing the song on your own is entirely another, isn't it? It's a great idea, Danny. He came up with it. It's, 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 it's written by Richard Curtis, but he got the original idea that the Beatles disappear and this one unsuccessful singer-songwriter remembers them from this guy, Jack Barth. But Richard Curtis is a serious Beatles nut. I, know. I mean, he can literally tell you where they got their dry cleaning done in Hamburg when they lived there. I mean, he's literally... It's a very interesting conversation. <laughs> to be said. So he was, went at it like a... Um, you know, it's like a mad journey for him, wonderful journey for him. And I think he, he normally directs his own scripts, but I think in this case, such was his, you know, devotion to the Beatles, he thought he'd better get somebody else. It's a very and, wise move, that, isn't it? Yeah, to keep a break on him, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so he sent it to me, and I thought it was genius. I mean, proper, such a wonderful... The kind of thing that you think, that must have been done. Surely that's been done. Yeah. And it sort of has in other forms, but not so acutely like this about the Beatles. Well, how much can we talk about? Do we talk about the Ed Sheeran aspect? Because he's in the trailer, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, Ed, yeah. So we know Ed Sheeran's in the Wait, film because yeah. he's in the trailer. Yeah. Okay. So the other... <laughs> originally unsuccessful singer-songwriter from Suffolk that's in the film is Ed Sheeran. Is Ed Sheeran. And um, he hears the songs on local radio because he lives, he lives in, he does live in Suffolk. And yeah. in the story, he hears the songs on local radio and he promotes the guy. He kind of helps him in the way that Ed Sheeran himself was helped to enormous stratospheric fame, more where the guy becomes more popular than Jesus as the Beatles famously or or didn't say about themselves, controversial. And it's funny because what, what Ed does, Ed's character, who is Ed, so Ed plays Ed, which can't be easy in itself. <laughs> and we'll, ask, we'll talk about that in a moment or two. Uh, so, so what he then does, he starts to ask the kind of questions a muso, a songwriter, would ask another songwriter, uh, which are just, you know, would be conversational questions and would be, you know, a, a very sort of relaxed and, and easy exchange. Unless, of course, you didn't write any of these songs. <laughs> and he's saying, so how did you get the idea for that? And the main character's going, ooh, now I've got to make up the backstory of how I came up with the ideas. Yeah. So then he starts to make ideas upon the hoof about some of the most famous songs you've ever heard. And they just don't make sense. Who, who was Jude? Oh, uh, he was my friend's son. And, and what, what, why did he need comforting? Uh, did he? What do you mean? Well, in the in the song, you he, he needs. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, no, no, he was very upset. What was he upset about? <laughs> 
I know, once you start lying, it's very difficult once you yeah. start Especially pulling on a thread. About songwriting with Ed Sheeran. With Ed Sheeran, yeah. You see Ed's in the film, you think, oh, that's nice. It's nice to get Ed Sheeran in, you know, for one or two scenes. But he's in it a lot, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's in it at least a third of the film. Yeah, and he's got some proper, proper comedy scenes to do where he's the butt of the joke and yeah. stuff like that. And he was really good, and he said... I said to him, listen, if you want to improve as an actor, you've got to come and rehearse because they're so busy, these guys. And I think there's a danger because they think, oh, I'm just playing myself and yeah. I'm a performer anyway. Yeah. I can just turn up, can't I? Yeah. And you go, no, no, no. You've got to pick up the rhythm of the other actors and you've got to know what you're saying. And, oh, you've got to have considered alternatives to the way you, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he, and he, he came and he came to rehearsals, very serious. Stuck it for the long term, and he's really good in the film. I mean, he's really properly funny as well. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. It's French Tuck Friday this morning on Virgin Radio for very good reason. He's become a global superstar through Queer Eye on Netflix and has recently released his memoir, Naturally Tan. Please welcome the king of couture, the sultan of style, it's Yorkshire's finest, Tan France. Good morning, Tan. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Just around everybody, where do you live now? What do you do for a living? uh, oh, I, uh, I'm on a show called Queer Eye, um, which is on Netflix. Yep. Um, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, which I think most people don't assume. They think I probably live in New York and LA, or LA. I have no desire to live in either of those places. Uh, I love Salt Lake. I live in Mormonville, and it's the best. So you're married to a Mormon? A former Mormon. I was going to say, because yeah. that can't be, that wouldn't be... I am. Shop steward. All right, so, so where did you meet your husband? Uh, online, whilst I was on vacation in Salt Lake. Right. Yeah, uh, 11 and a half years ago. We've been married for 10, and it's bliss, like absolute bliss. So this is pre-Queer Eye? Pre-Queer Eye, pre-all of that. Queer Eye's only been on for like a year and a couple of months. Right, now you started life in Yorkshire. I did. Okay, and your book, which is brilliant. I've not read you. it all. I, what I did was, we were away at the way, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Mm. I read the first chapter on the plane, yes. the second chapter on the plane, and then I, I read the middle three chapters, and I can't wait to fill in the gaps. Because I thought that was quite a good way <laughs> yeah, of going about it. Yeah, that's an interesting way to read did, a book. Well, I didn't have time, so, <laughs> yeah. but I wanted to get into it. Yeah. And so... So you're born in West Yorkshire. Uh, the first chapter, it really sort of sets the scene. It's yeah. Because it's, you know, it's like the first 15 minutes of a brilliant film. You know, Thanks. one of my favourite films is American Pie, right? But oh, if yeah. you go back and watch American Pie, <laughs> yeah. uh, the first 15 to 20 minutes is, is, is not funny at all because they have to plant all the bombs, that are gonna, the comedy yeah. bombs that are going to explode later. Yeah. And what you do in your first chapter mm. is you plant all the life bombs yeah. that explode throughout the rest of the book. Yeah. Just tell us about a few of those. You know, I, uh, I somebody asked me to write a book and I was saying, no, I don't really have uh, anything to say. And then when I really got thinking of it, I thought I'm the first... Asian gay guy on a platform like this. I'm on a global platform and I have a privilege like no one else. Um, and so I'm going to use it and I'm going to talk about what it's like to be a person of colour um, and person of the LGBTQ community. Uh, and so it was actually really hard to write. I talk about what it it, it really is like up north uh, for somebody who's one of the very few people who gets bullied every day for being Pakistani uh, and it was a, a fight for survival every day to make sure that people didn't beat the Jesus out of me every day. There's a great bit in the book, in your book, uh, where you say that really famous people started uh, DMing you, direct messaging you, and you couldn't quite believe it, and it took a while for that to sink in. Yeah. And it kept inviting you to places, and you just felt yeah. you had to go because you thought, well, I've just got to go. And you it took you for a while to realise you could say no. Yeah. So t- tell us some of those places you went with some of those people who you might be able to talk about. Uh, well, uh, I got invited to something with Tina Fey, who's massive in the US. I know she's not as famous in the UK, yeah, but she's a very big star yeah. in the US. Uh, Mindy Kaling 
uh, was very surprising. Are these the house parties or are these... A... No, they're just events and they, they just uh, message you and like, hey, come hang with me. And that's a very strange feeling. It's because they feel like they truly know us because our our reality show is the most authentic version of a reality show. So they're like, I found a new best friend. But then when you meet them, they're like, oh, actually, he doesn't know me at all. Yeah. I know him intimately, but he doesn't know me. It's a very strange feeling. So when did you feel it was okay to say, actually, I'm... I'm I'm doing my hair tonight. <laughs> About two months in, when it was uh, when it started to get quite regular, and then I'd meet a lot of these people. I'm thinking, oh, I thought that I knew you, but you're playing a part, and I don't actually love the real you. Right. Um, so so you have desisted now. You've ceased and desisted. How do you get your hair like that, by the way? Just blow dry it. That's it. Just blow dry it. Well, first of all, you've got to have enough hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but wait, can I tell you a really quick story? Have we got two, like one minute? We've got all the time in the world. Oh, you're, great. you're the guy in the rush. Well, they, they asked me about this if I wanted to tell the story, and I really do want to. And so it was uh, two days after the show came out. So the show drops, so the whole season drops uh, in one. And so you can watch the whole thing. Two days after, I was at a show called The Today Show. For anyone listening, it's, a, it's our version in America of like this morning. It's a big, big show. And I was in the hallway with a producer getting me ready to, to go on. And John Bon Jovi started to walk down the hallway. And uh, and I thought, don't look at him. I'd never seen anyone famous before. So I thought, don't look at him. Like, you let him do his thing. Uh, and I was turning, talking to John. And uh, so uh, the producer, John. And John Bon Jovi stopped behind me. And he was like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Do you mind if I have a photo? Um, and so I turned and grabbed his phone. I was like, yeah, sure. To take a picture of John Bon Jovi with John thinking he knew this other guy and he was like no Tan France I'd like a selfie with you if you don't mind I was like how the heck do you even know my name John Bon Jovi was like you can call me John I was like I simply can't like I legitimately can't just call you John like you're a legend um, and I was like you can have my firstborn you can have whatever you want like of course I'll take a selfie um, and he was like okay can we FaceTime my wife then I was like yeah sure does, does um, his wife love the show yeah and he said I was watching you in bed last night and I just thought that blew my mind that John Bon Jovi might see me on something great to meet you Tan. thank you we so much thank you for having me the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Hiking into the studios now is an explorer whose extraordinary career exploded since leaving school at 17. After a sellout 51 date tour due to phenomenal public demand, he's taking his fantastic stories, handsome face, and new weight gym all around the UK <laughs> with 27 extra dates. Please welcome the well traveled titan, Simon Reed. Good morning, Simon. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so you're talking tour. It obviously I'm went rather tour. well, didn't it? It's gone bizarrely well. Come on, yes. tell, us, tell us about it. Give us tips for our own talking tours. Tips how, for your talking you do a good tour. One? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I did plan it. I did think about it, but I didn't see what anybody else had done. So right. I suppose I wasn't burdened with that. I just went for it. And, um, and to my absolute astonishment, I haven't had to change it very much from the beginning. And people have been very nice about it. And uh, people have said nice things afterwards. I, I went on a tour around the country, chatting away in theatres. I mean, not for not briefly as well. You know, I've heard about some of these teletypes. They're up on stage for f- 45 minutes and then they're off. I'm, I'm sticking <laughs> around. I've been there at one o'clock in the morning have still really? chatting with people. I have, yeah. Are you becoming the Ken Dodd of the talking tour? They did tell me about <laughs> Ken Dodd. Yeah, Ken Dodd would be in the car park at three in the morning. Yeah. They said, that's the benchmark. He'd be chasing yeah. after them, telling <laughs> yeah. jokes on the way home. Come back, something else. Yeah, we can't They were anymore. telling me in Liverpool, they were saying people would just come for a couple of hours and, say, and, and then say, oh yeah, we've, 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 we've done a little stint with Ken. We're off now. All right. So no, they, it's been a wonderful thing to do. And uh, I've had a few more extra dates uh, last year and in the, in the 
spring as well. And now I'm doing some more dates in the autumn. I can't believe it. So, so how many more have you booked them from when and where? Ish. Well, we did. An, I did another uh, eight during the spring, and right. then I'm doing another twenty in the autumn. But culminating, honestly, nobody's more surprised. Wembley than me. Stadium. Not quite Wembley Stadium. London Palladium. London Palladium next February for some jumped up F-list telly person. I'm over the moon about it. Well, that predicted Osama bin Laden before Osama bin Laden predicted himself. There is that (laughs) as well. SimonReed.co.uk. So it's a two and a half hour show. Um, Mm. So so let's get on to takeaways that you you give in your show that we can share on the radio. Give us some takeaways. Well, I talk about my, my telly travels, right. obviously. Um, I've been to something like 130 countries, so it would be a little bit weird if I didn't have some stories from those journeys. Yeah. But um, I think one of the things, I wasn't sure people would warm to it, but that has gone down really well, particularly in the regions, as people still dismissively call them, is the fact that I'm not your typical telly type. Most people on on doing something like I do, people always assume I must have gone to a really fancy school and I must have had a very good start in life and gone to the best university. And I was, you know, I was a, a, a teenage no-hoper and I got very, very low. I had some really the darkest moments possible in, in life. And and I came back from that and I talk a, a fair bit about that and I've been really surprised and very moved actually the number of people who've come up to me afterwards and said oh you sound like you were in the place, same place as my son or me or my friend's child um, there's a lot of there's a lot of mental pressures on people and there's a lot of mental health issues and so I talk a little bit about that and I say how I work my way out of that situation, not for everybody, but it worked for me. Uh, so I chat about that and hopefully, you know, without using it's a terrible word to use in, in this country, but I am trying to inspire people a little bit to recognise that they can get through, some people can get through their problems and it doesn't have to be a, a wall they're hitting. It can be, you know, they can be heading through a tunnel to somewhere better. Um, and I try and get people to look at the world and and see where they could what they could do and where they could go and get out there and travel for goodness sake yeah. while you can because life's short. I met this uh, cab driver the other day and uh, he's a, he's a London taxi driver and he, he uh, we got chatting and it turned out he was a boxer from Glasgow hard as they come right hard as they come hard working guy uh, was a professional boxer for a while um, and then at the age of 32 33 gave that up and he's 44 or 45 now I can't remember I think his name was Kevin and um, and now he, he, he did the knowledge he studied the knowledge and what he does is he gets a, a holiday not a, not a sunshine holiday but a kind of adventure holiday or whatever mm. you know a, a, a uh, what would you call it what would you call it it's not a holiday what would you call it if you're booking a trip you know what, he's, he's, going, he's going off on his own personal adventure. Yeah, he's going off on his own personal adventure. So what he does is he identifies one, he puts one together, he costs it, and then he gets in his cab until he's got that much money, <laughs> and then he takes his cab to the airport, parks it, and goes on the adventure. Brilliant. And then he wow. spends all his money, and he comes back, and he books another one, and he goes. If, if, sometimes it takes him four days, sometimes it takes him four months of cabbing. And he just, all he does is work towards that. He doesn't have any alcohol when he's in Britain. He only drinks when he's yeah. away from Britain. <laughs> when it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but he's really dedicated to the but cause of travelling. It's good, isn't it? How, so many people haven't got that. But to have been a boxer in the first place, to have been training, and to, you've got to have such an incredible laser focus. Yeah, My all, goodness. All, the only reason I'm saying that is because, you know, saying, you know, get your money when you can, where you can, and go yeah. and do things that you can that you'll never forget. I just thing. think we can get we can get bogged down in, on the hamster wheel of life, and yeah. yeah, obviously a lot of people they have to. You have kids in school; it's hard to take them out. Of course, that can be difficult, but take a breath, 
Take a moment, think about what you want to achieve in your life and don't put things off. All right. It's so easy to do that now. Okay, and if you want more of this, simonreeve.co.uk. Um, he's, he's about to rival the Rolling Stones for touring. Is that about right? <laughs> That's a nervous laugh. I, I, I hope not. Now, I'm not sure the country can face right. it, but What's my God. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest is no less than a Newsnight legend. She's grilled everyone from Margaret Thatcher to Madonna, but her talents certainly don't stop there. Her second novel, The House by the Lock, is out now and here to unlock some of its secrets. It's the marvellous Kirsty Walk. Good morning, Kirsty. <laughs> Good morning. Did you or do you um, get uh, nervous before interviews like the Margaret Thatcher and Madonna ones? Well, they were so weirdly different. That, you know, there was no soft lens for Margaret Thatcher. Right. Madonna had all her own filter lights. Yeah. I walked in with one single BBC camera on me and she had a panoply. Yeah. So they're quite different. But it's, I suppose it's just in the preparation. You've got to get a bit of adrenaline. Yeah, the prep, the prep was equal for both, I the would imagine. The prep was equal for both. Because they're big opportunities and you don't want to mess them up. That's the thing, isn't well, it? Well, there's a lot of pressure. OK, let's get to your book, uh, The House by the Lock, Kirsty Walk. Now, Rachel, you are in charge of this because you are reading the book currently. I'm about a third of the way through. I've shed a few tears. What, I re- what I've really loved about it, so it's sort of three generations, but yeah. we hear two stories yeah. happening, unfolding concurrently about 30 years apart. Yeah. But the first chapter, is it just really kind of hooks you in and it's it's almost kind of separate. It's, it's kind of the gem of where everything else has come from. But is that a tactical decision where no. you kind of have that no, isolated no, on its own? No, no. Basically, until I started researching this book, I had no idea that Czech Spitfire pilots were, were racing up and down Loch Doon in 1941, preparing to go to, you know, Germany. And this pilot, this particular morning, uh, hit the water, cartwheeled, only the water bailiff saw it. And the, the Spitfire wasn't brought out to the 1980s. The skeleton of the pilot's never been found. And it was only when I started researching the book that I, I learned this, and this is a true story. So I thought, this anchors my main character, Walter, to the Loch, because he's the only person as a little boy who saw it, in my imagination. That's what I really love. So I've read that bit, got absolutely drawn into it. And then it, it, it follows his life, doesn't it? And he's the grandfather. He is the grandfather. And it's really his relationship with his wife, Jean, and his relationship with his uh, granddaughter, Carson, which are the kind, of, uh, the kind of key moments in the book. Now, about a third of the way through, something happens. Yes. And that's kind of previewed Ooh, well in the blurb. <laughs> well done for holding that back. Yeah, well, we're not we need, just... But we need to <laughs> no, tease no, it as well as holding it back, don't it's, we? It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's previewed in the blurb, you know, that there is a weekend. There is like a very... There is like a really weekend. big traumatic thing that happens in that weekend. Oh, hang on a minute. And the thing about that <laughs> is that the book is kind of about the unmaking and remaking of families. I mean, no family is the Waltons. And I think we should just... In a way, celebrate that that you know, good things do terrible. Good people do terrible things. Bad people do great things sometimes. And yeah, it, yeah. life's a lot more complicated. And I know there's a lot of darkness, but there's lots of other stuff in the book as well. Now, when you're writing it, so I've shed a tear <laughs> at this significant weekend. Be, be, when and this doesn't give anything away, but when a character starts to sing, "You Are My Sunshine." That was the bit that broke me. Did you? Is do you? Are you thinking right? This is emotional. I'm. I'm really just going to push them now. I. I want tears from my readers. No, actually, I was holding back quite a lot of stuff. Wow. You know, Thank you for I, holding back. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't think you should over-egg the pudding, to be honest. I think things happen that are traumatic enough without overwriting it. And here's the thing. You are, yourself, you're a bit of an ideas machine, aren't you? Yeah. So, so this is your second book, right? Yeah. What did you learn from writing your first book in 2014 to writing your second book now? Well, what I learned was that it's not easy. 
And actually, the second book, there's a lot of intertwining. First book, two narratives, but quite discreet. These ones are much more intertwined. And getting that balance right was really quite tough. And I also learned that actually the older characters for me are more developed than the younger characters in my head. And I should go with the flow of the older characters, which is what I did. Kirsty, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Kirsty Walk, The House by the Lot. Kirsty Walk is out now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And there she goes, off into the ether. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. With Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.